before the next program, a specially extended edition of The Archers. The John Dredge Nothing to Do with Anything Show. Oh, for hold all's sake. We're only a few seconds into the programme and already the theme tune's exploded. I bet John Peel never had this problem. On tonight's programme, something by the fall most likely, plus sessions from Septic Tank, The Futiles, Shoreditch Ponce, Hot Dog Concession, Synthetic Strawberry, Fab Five Floyd and his Funky Munch Bunch, Stonewall Penalty, Delindromist Kaput and the exploding theme tune. Well, well, you learn something new every day. But enough of all this educational news. Richard, what are we going to do about this here theme tune? Don't worry, loves. I have a spare handy for emergencies. Oh, isn't he bold? And cue the spare theme tune. Hello and cliché to a special non-rectangular edition of the Nothing To Do With Anything show. Or as I like to call it... In fact, that is what I like to call it. In tonight's rectangle-free episode, we have a rare recording of Frank Sinatra running for a bus. It's very nice to go travelling to Paris, London and... We also have a very rare recording of Frank Sinatra on a walking tour of Scotland. It's very nice to go travelling And later on, especially for the collectors out there, we've an incredibly rare recording of Frank Sinatra phoning an elephant. Shoe Shop News from Leighton Buzzard with Bernard and Mervyn Helicopters. I'm Bernard Helicopters and over there is my brother Mervyn. There's no point telling the listeners where I am in relation to you, Bernard. They can't see either of us. I know, that's why I was telling them. Now, as you may recall, Mervyn and myself own a chain of shoe shops in the Leighton Buzzard area. The listeners won't want to hear about that either. How could you possibly know? I had them round for tea the other night. I see I wasn't invited again. Honestly, Mervyn, you treat me like I'm the junior partner round here. You are? Well, that would explain it, I suppose. Now get on with reading the news, Bernard. The listeners are getting restless. I can sense it. I'll read out the news when I'm good and ready, and not a moment before. Don't talk to me in that tone of voice. Garlic! There was no need for that, was there, Bernard? You know I hate garlic. Calm down, Mervyn, and have a shoehorn. That's better. Excuse me, do you have these in a size 7? Go Go away, we're reading the news! Tonight's top story. Why is there even less shoe shop news this time than there was on our last appearance? And there wasn't any then. We asked shoe shop proprietor James Pemberton what he knew. (laughs) 
Sadly, we couldn't hear him as he was hiding in a post box. But why? Had he uncovered something sinister about shoe shops and had the frighteners put on him to dissuade him from speaking to the media? We asked his wife. Unfortunately, she was in the post box with him, so we asked some of his friends. It was beginning to look like everyone was hiding in post boxes. Who would have thought it? We'll be looking further into who would have thought it next time and asking, has the lack of shoe shop news become the shoe shop news? Talk about irony. What now? It's just an expression, Bernard. Well, in that case, until next time, from Mervyn and myself, it's a very good night. And buy more shoes. try and catch that customer. Yes, I think you'd better. Studio production was by Freeman, Hardy and Willis. But now it's time to welcome back our old friend, three times winner of the Academy Award for Most Incomprehensible Film Director, David Lynch. It's good to have you back with us, David, in body if not in mind. What have you been up to since we last met? I've been doing odd jobs around the house, John. Yesterday I put up some shelves in the fish tank. That sounds very odd. I also converted the kitchen into a room for storing gold bars, but then realised I didn't have any gold bars, so I had to go and buy some. Did you manage to get hold of any? Yes, John, and now I'm flipping skint. Skint, I tell you. So if you have any odd jobs that need doing, just ask. Well, you could start by giving us the weather forecast. Very well, John. The weather today will be... order, whereas the outlook for tomorrow is with occasional outbreaks of... What unusual weather we're having at the moment, David. Can't you do anything about it? Not without a permit, John. But now, let's take a look at the forecast in your area. Yes. Hmm. Looks like there might be a quiz show coming in from the south at any moment. It's Friday, it's five to five, and that can only mean one thing. Well, technically, I suppose it could mean a lot of things, but as far as I'm concerned, it means it's time to play Barry Tiggs' Airline Pilot Quiz Game Show. First contestant, please, Monica. Certainly, Barry. Our first contestant is Mike No Clue from Leighton on Buzzard. Well, hello there, Mike. Nice to have you on the show. So you're an airline pilot? No. And may we now have our second contestant, please, Monica. Our second contestant is Leonard Notshaw from Buzzard on Sea. Yeah. 
So, Leonard, you're an airline pilot, I believe. Uh, um, that's right. Well done. You're through to the second round. If you'd like to take a seat in the soundproof booth, we'll see you again very soon. And may we have our third and final contestant, please, Monica? I've no idea who this one is. How did that cow get in here? That's no cow. That's my mother-in-law. Hey, hey, looks like we've got a bit of a Jimmy Carr here, Monica. Dear God, not another one. So, Mr Third and Final Contestant, tell us a bit more about yourself. Uh, Well, Barry, I'm an airline pilot, but in my spare time... Well, that's marvellous. And for charity, too. But now I'm going to ask you a question. Everything clear so far? Could you go over that again? I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, I think I understand now. Okay, and if you answer the question correctly, you'll win our star prize, which is the chance to appear on Barry Tiggs Airline Pilot Quiz Game Show. I'm already on Barry Tiggs Airline Pilot. So here's the question. What is this? It's a plane. Oh, bad luck. I'm afraid it wasn't a plane. It was a sound effect of a plane. You were so close. (laughs) An average passenger jet weighs 40 tonnes, whereas a sound effect of a passenger jet is much, much lighter. I'm surprised you didn't spot that being an airline pilot. (laughs) Actually, I'm um, I'm not really an airline pilot. What? (laughs) No, I'm I'm an air traffic controller. Well, that's all I've got patience for right now, but do join us next time, because if there's one thing I know, there'll be pilots on the show. Good night, God bless, and fly safely! We interrupt that sound effect of a plane. See, I knew what it was to join our roving reporter, Gladys Looms, who this week has taken the Nothing To Do With Anything roadshow to Frinton. Hello, Gladys. Hello, John! Over! Our outside broadcast equipment isn't that old, Gladys. So I learned all that Morse code for nothing, then? Tell me, Gladys, why have you taken the roadshow to Frinton when we're already in Frinton? Unfortunately, there wasn't any money left in the budget for petrol. But don't worry, because we've got a really wonderful Frinton crowd with us today. Hello, Frinton! Hello. I couldn't have put it better myself, and thank you for coming along. Hey. Thank you for coming along! I was going in the newsagents, actually, but you got in the way. Ha ha ha! Now, tell me, sir, what is your name? Hey. What is your name? I don't know what you want me to say. Well, uh, how about telling the listeners how long you've lived in Frinton? Well, I lived here all my life, haven't I? Your whole life? Two and a half years. You must have lived here longer than that, surely. Which one of us has lived in Frinton their whole life, you or me? Uh, well, you, I suppose. Really? I wondered what I was doing here. Hey? I didn't say anything. Hey? I didn't say anything! Blimey, a broadcaster who don't say nothing. Worth every penny of the licence fee. Now, if you could... Do you want anything for the news agents? No. Hey? No! Now, if you could tell the people at home one thing about Frinton, what would it be? It's Norman. Oh, it goes back to Norman times. No, my name is Norman. Oh. Hey? Oh! Oh. Well, um, I think we'll leave it there. Oh, no, you can't leave it there. You'll be asked to move it, or, or they'll send the army in to blow it up. Eh? 
You sure you don't want anything from the news agent? <sighs> All right, I'll have a packet of Monster Munch. It's John Dredge. It's John Dredge. Continuing Adventures of Basil the Cylinder, Episode 4. A long time ago, in the magical land of Completely Weird on Sea, a happy little cylinder called Basil was having a synthesizer lesson with his friend, Phil Oakey of the Human League. Now then, Basil, here's what I want you to play. Now you have a go. Okay, Phil. Almost there, Basil, but it wasn't exactly... How can I put this? The same tune. I knew I wasn't musically inclined. Have another go, Basil. Listen to me play it again. Now it's your turn. No, have one more try. Listen carefully, Basil. This is what I want you to play. Now, yo! Yes, that's much better. Come quickly, Basil, come quickly. What is it, Simon the Square? Harold the Hexagon is in trouble. Not the gambling debts again, even worse. Evil Gladys, the no-shape in particular, has cast an evil spell on him, quite evilly. You mean... Yes. She's turned him into the M1 motorway. Why, that evil Gladys the No-Shape in particular. How dare she do that to Harold? He can't even drive, being a hexagon. Where is he now? Last I heard, he was somewhere near the magic grumbling hedge. Come on then, Simon. We haven't a moment to lose. Stop showing off, Phil. We've got to go. If you say so. Basil did say so. So go they did. And as soon as Basil, Simon and Phil Oakey had finished going, they got there. I see the standard of writing on the cereal hasn't improved. Just look at this place. It could do with a good clean if you ask me. But cleaners cost an arm and a leg these days, don't they? The cost of living's gone up so much recently, it's ludicrous. Well, here we are, but there's no sign of Harold the Hexagon, as far as I can see. Although I can't really see very far at all, being a cylinder. Excuse me, Magic Grumbling Hedge, can you be quiet for a moment? I'm trying to talk to my friends. Well, I ask you. That is absolutely typical of people's attitudes these days. Why can't you go somewhere quieter if you want a private conversation? It's not like I can get up and walk away. And even if I could, I very much doubt I'd find another piece of shrubbery that would listen to me because I'm only a hedge. Pass me that hedge trimmer, Simon. I bother sometimes. Good work, Basil. I was beginning to think he'd never shut up. Well, that takes the biscuit attacking me with that thing. I've had it up to the back teeth with people like you. I really have. I'm going to write to my MP and the Guardian about this, and then you'll be sorry. This This is Phil talking, Magic Grumbling Hedge. If you don't put a sock in it, I'll sing. 
That, that shut, shut him up. up. Well done, Phil. Now where's our good friend Harold? There's no sign of him anywhere. Just the trees, the bushes, the lake, and this 193-mile-long motorway connecting London to Leeds. That's no 193-mile-long motorway connecting London to Leeds, with an exit at Junction 33 for Sheffield City Centre. That's Harold. Harold, what happened to you? Evil Gladys the No-Shape in particular turned you into the M1 because she was in a bad mood at being No-Shape in particular and is jealous of your somewhat hexagonal nature? If only we knew where to find her. I know where she lives, Basil. Past the River of Death, through the Forest of Doom and over the Bridge of Terror. Isn't there an easier way to get to her house? Well, we could take a shortcut through Harlesden. What was that first option again? Will Basil ever find evil... What's her name? What will happen to uh, old... You know who? And how will they cope with uh, with the, uh, uh, the, the... The the thing they were talking about? Find out the answers in the next... Um, oh, the, the, the next... Uh, uh, what was it? Ugh, expect me to know everything. Tell me about it. That's exactly the sort of attitude I've had to put up with for goodness knows how long. None of them appreciate what we do for them, do they? I don't see the point of pandering to them at all, to be quite honest. It's not like it gets us anywhere. In fact, if you ask me, the whole state of affairs is... And now on Radio 3, the Radio 4 Appeal. First broadcast on Radio 2. Hello. Tonight I'd like to talk to you about Gladys. She looks just like you or me. Well, not so much like me, she's a woman. Although her life seems completely normal and healthy from the outside, like thousands of other British people, Gladys is annoying. If she goes to the cinema, she talks through all the quiet bits, and all the other bits as well. If she's in a supermarket, she'll spend half an hour looking for the correct change, or the incorrect change, whichever is more annoying. Incapable of listening to anyone, she is addicted to going on and on and indeed on about how cold it is or how hot it is. She talks about characters in EastEnders as if they were real. She talks on her mobile whilst driving on the motorway and reads the Daily Mail on the tube at the top of her voice. She enjoys asking people what book they're reading, goes to the library and does some research and then calls them at three in the morning to tell them how it ends, usually while driving on the motorway. When listening to music on headphones in public places, she sings along at ear-piercing volume, especially if it's Michael Bublé, which it always is. She cleans out her ears with a paperclip and then puts it back in the box for further use. And if she offers you a boiled sweet, you can be sure it's been down the back of the sofa, or in her mouth, or, in some cases, up her nose. Please don't ask. Condescending, rude, and with personal hygiene problems that would fell an ox, Gladys has no idea just how annoying she is. And what's worse, she's my next-door neighbour. Oh God, that's her again. There may be a slight break in transmission while I pretend I'm out. I thought you wanted to see my rectal prolapse. Just three pounds a month will ensure people like Gladys can be sent away to a place where she can get the help she so desperately needs, or anywhere else for that matter. It's all right, Mark. If you 
making your donations as soon as you can before it's too late. Thank you. Oh, there you are, Mark. What are you doing with your head in the oven? Well, the fact that we're almost at the end of the show means that we're almost at the end of the show, which was written and performed by John Dredge with our special guests James Shakeshaft, Anna Emerson, Greg Haste, Mark Davison and a lemon meringue pie. The programme was almost recorded in our Frinton studios by the producer Richard Cray. OK, love, stand by studio and cue the end. This is the end. <laughs>